Welcome to the Out of the Deep End podcast. On the show today, we are going to continue our conversation about resiliency, specifically how to build and develop your ability to bounce back from struggles. I am Dr. JC Burnham. Give me just a few minutes and together we'll make a difference. So first of all, what I wanna talk about is what resilience is not, what isn't resilience. Having resiliency doesn't mean that there will never be any pain. Because unfortunately in our world, in our existence, there is always pain, physical pain, mental pain, spiritual pain. So just because you have resiliency, it doesn't mean that there's not going to be pain. And if you feel pain, it's not saying that you don't have any resiliency. Resiliency isn't survival. The survival mode, what we call the fight or flight mode, is for people that are already in that state of survival. That's another topic entirely. And that's dealing with people who are beyond anxiety, beyond stress, and they're in a situation to where they're, they, they're past the point to where resiliency can really make a difference because resiliency at that point is irrelevant. So I'm going to save that kind of topic, that discussion on survival mode, fight or flight mode for another show. Today, we are talking about resiliency that elasticity, the rubber band, so that you can be pulled and you can be stretched, but you're not necessarily going to break. And people who have resiliency, they're much better at resisting those struggles, at least when those struggles uh, appear, they're able to seem to cope with it or deal with it in a, a better way. Now, remember, when we look at other people, it might always seem like they're so good at dealing with life. But remember, your perspective is always going to be tainted. It's not going to be the whole truth. Anytime you meet someone that seems like they have a perfect life, I guarantee you that their life is not perfect. If you were to ask them, they would probably laugh at you and say that's not true at all. But if they have resiliency, it might appear that way. In our last show, we talked about how you can build resiliency. And some of those things I mentioned were social support. The bigger your social support, the easier it is for you to find support, to find someone who will listen, who will help, who will contribute to your resiliency. If we don't have social support, then that is vital. Everybody needs some kind of network, someone that they can fall back on when they're struggling. And again, that's a great topic for a show where we could talk about how to develop a positive social support. I also spoke in the last show about physical health, how important your diet is, your sleep, your water intake, and most importantly, avoiding harmful habits such as alcohol, Cigarettes, caffeine, and sugar is probably the worst, at least the most consumed harmful habit that we have. Um, Sugar tastes good. Our body loves it, but it's not good for us. And when I say our body loves it, I mean because all of the endorphins that it releases and we get this this very short-term energy burst that makes us feel great. 
But in, in the long run, sugar is a major problem in the world today. But um, we'll leave that for another discussion also. So physical health, good diet, sleep water, avoiding some of those things that are considered bad habits. Now, I want to talk a little bit more about building resiliency beyond just the physical aspects that we can do. To have resiliency, we really need to have a health, a healthy mental point of view. In other words, we need to have good mental health and be strong when it comes to the way we uh, approach the world, the way we think about the world, the way we think about ourselves, the way we interact. So when we say mental health, it's a, it's a very big package. But we can focus on a few things that if you can just make a few adjustments, remember, um, I say on the show that it's not about your perfection, it's your direction that matters. So we want to pick just a few things that points us in the right direction, and then that's the direction that we're going to go. And so being mentally healthy. Well, what does that mean? Well, one thing is, can we cope with the little things before those little things become big things? It's, it's the ability to see a problem before the problem is occurring, and so that maybe we can take action to fix it or maybe sometimes avoid it. Or when there is a little thing that's starting to become a big thing, do we have the skills, the techniques? Do we know how to manage it? Maybe it's talking to a person. Maybe it's removing ourselves from a situation. But a person who has a good mental health, they understand for them what is normal, what is healthy, and then anything that starts to interact and change that, that, that point of view, that state, then they realize something's off and I need to address something. I need to fix something. Something else that we can do is learning how to manage our stress. So again, go back to the physical, good diet, good sleep, good water, avoiding harmful habits. Those are all powerful tools in managing our stress because whenever your sleep begins to suffer, I like to think of our sleep as like it's, it's a a thermostat. So whenever your sleep begins to suffer, that's one of the first indications that something is not quite right in your life. And it can be a physical problem or it can be an emotional problem, a mental problem. But if your sleep is suffering, then something else in your life is usually also suffering. So if you are feeling stressful, it's very likely that your sleep is also going to be troubled. So learning how to manage stress. Um, taking time out to think, to um, have spiritual moments, to people, some people like to meditate, to exercise, to not do things that are going to increase it, caffeine, for example, but learning how to step back, take a moment, and calm ourselves down so that we don't trigger those fight-or-flight responses that when those chemicals and those hormones start getting released, it becomes very difficult for us to step back and not feel the anxiety and the stress. Something else that we can do is practicing healthy thoughts. And this is something that's often underrated and maybe even undervalued. And I can tell you, if you talk to professional athletes, they will tell you how important it is for them to mentally visualize what they want to do, right? Like 
for example, you have um, a basketball player. He will visualize taking a shot over and over in his mind and doing it right and feeling it. And then he will combine that with his physical action, the muscle memory. And then when you put the muscle memory together with the mental rehearsal, it becomes a very powerful way of practicing and moving forward. So if we can have healthy thoughts in our everyday life, think about how powerful that is then to help us to cope with daily life. If we're talking about neural anatomy and the way the brain works, there's a metaphor that I like to use, I've used this in my classes at the high school level, at the, at the college level, university level, where we talk about when your brain is formed, it's kind of like a very dense forest, but nothing has been there before. And the first time you have an experience, it's like you're walking through that forest and you're breaking a trail. And the more times that you use that trail and you break that trail, the more easy it's going to be for you to use that trail again. So if we have constant negative thoughts, that means that those trails that are taking us to those negative locations are going to be very easy for us to use again. So negativity can become a very powerful, very self-reinforcing habit. So what I like to think about, well, because our brain has neuroplasticity, which means that it is actually able to restructure itself, we can take and we can form new trails through the forest so that we can get away from maybe some of those negative thoughts. So we can practice positive thoughts. So practicing healthy thoughts allows us to form those new pathways. And then if we practice them over and over again, they will become the default. So we say, don't stress the small stuff. I love the serenity prayer. And if you haven't, if you're not familiar with the serenity prayer, you haven't heard it before, it says, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. So the serenity prayer is basically saying, we need to have wisdom to know when there is something that is within our power, within our control, and when there are things that are just simply out of our control, things that we cannot change. And if you keep trying to change something that just cannot be changed, you're going to be frustrated. But understanding, and it's not always easy, right, to have something that you just don't want, you, you really want to change it, but you just can't change it. And, and that's the kind of case where sometimes we have to remove our, ourselves from a situation. Maybe you don't like your job. Maybe you don't like your boss. And no matter what you do, you're not going to be able to change that. So what has to change is you. You have to leave and you have to go to another location, to another job with maybe a, a boss that um, you like better. And so don't stress the small stuff. I say... Make a list of things that you are most grateful for in your life. Actually, write them down, right? Number them, 1 to 10, 1 to 20. And then look at those things and ask yourself, how did these things come to be? What did I do to create them? What have I done to nourish them, to keep them going? And then once you have that list, remind yourself on a regular basis 
of how lucky you actually are. Focus on those items that you are most grateful for over and over again. Build those neural pathways through the forest. And then consider, especially in those times to, to when you start saying, well, things used to be really good, but they're not as good now. And I always, I like to say, well, yes, everything can always be better, but everything can also always be much worse than they are right now. Consider those who are less fortunate than you. And there is always going to be someone who's less fortunate for you. Just like there's always going to be someone that seems to be much more fortunate than you. But we can not focus on the people who have more or seem to be better in ways than we are. But instead, let's be grateful because it could be much worse. And I like to think about those times to where maybe you've you've been injured, right? Athletes know this so well because they're performing at the highest level that they possibly could, and then they get an injury. And then all of a sudden, they can't do anything that they were able to do before. If you've ever sprained an ankle or broken a leg or even... Um, like hurt your finger so that you, you couldn't use your, your fingers or your thumbs. I constantly jam my thumbs um, when I played volleyball and, um, or basketball too. And it, it just seems like I could do something so well and then I would jam that thumb and then my, my right hand became entirely useless. And then what happens? Then we start saying, oh my goodness, if only things could be normal again. How could I have taken it for granted the fact that I could walk, that I didn't have to use crutches, that I could take baths and showers without, you know, having to wrap everything in plastic, right? All of a sudden, we start realizing how lucky we actually were before. So there is something to be said about thinking about others who are less fortunate than we are, um, because it could always be worse. All right, holding on to hope. There was a study in the Journal of Positive Psychology who had participants write down about past experiences where they hoped for something, and then what it was that they were hoping for actually came true. Those who reflected upon those things that they wanted, that they hoped for, and they came true, they noted that their happiness and hope for the future had also increased. So, there was something powerful about reflecting upon what their positive has experiences in the past had been with hope, and then that gave them hope for the future. So again, I ask yourself, just like we were making our list, I say, what have you gained this year? And for us, this year has just begun. So maybe let's think about what did we gain last year? And then when the month is over, look back, well, what did I gain this month? Or what about this week or even today? And then make a mental note or write down those things because we want to celebrate all of those gains. Because the more we focus upon where we have been successful in the past and where we focus on where we are most lucky, that's when we will find hope. And hope lends itself to resiliency. Now, to be specific. It's important for us to understand that resiliency is something that needs to be practiced, which is kind of unfortunate because 
We're saying in order to have good coping skills, you need to be put in a situation where you have to have good coping skills. In other words, things have to not always go perfect in your life. So choose, pick a challenge and then try to pursue that challenge and then realize that you're not always going to be successful and that's okay because when we give ourselves a goal and we start pursuing that goal and we fall short, that is our opportunity to practice resiliency. And what we have done is we have created the experiment and the conditions to where it's okay for us to fail. Because let's say last year I started to run again. I have a good friend who is an Ironman, and he introduced me to shoes, um, Hoka's shoes, running shoes, and they are just amazing with how they fit my foot, and I was able to run without knee pain and back pain. And so I started running, and I ran almost 100 miles um, from August through December. And if I had known that I was going to get that close to 100, I I would have pushed myself even a little harder and said, you're going to make 100. But that's okay. That wasn't my goal. That will be my goal for this year. But I realized that if I can set myself a goal and I can pursue that goal, even if I don't reach that 100, how much better off am I for having tried and having done those 96 or or 97 miles, right? So I love sports. I love coaching athletes because it's the perfect opportunity to put yourself in a situation to where you're going to work really hard towards a goal, but you are going to fail on a regular basis. And then learning how to cope and deal with that failure is what we are talking about. So Thomas Edison, famous quote, I have not failed. I have just found 10,000 ways that don't work. Winston Churchill said, success is tumbling from failure to failure with no loss of enthusiasm. So it's okay. Set yourself up, set a goal, pursue that goal, but then realize you're not always going to reach that goal. And when you don't reach that goal, that is going to be your opportunity to practice resiliency. Step outside of your comfort zone. Think about how much better you off you will be for having almost reached your goal than not having tried anything at all. I am inspired by the song. Jesse Alexander uh, wrote the song. Miley Cyrus performed it. The Climb says there's always going to be another mountain. I'm always going to want to make it move. Always going to be an uphill battle. Sometimes I'm going to have to lose. And that is the key. It's not about how fast you get there or what's on the other side. It is the climb. I challenge you, my friend. Keep trying. Keep striving. Keep failing and getting back up again. Tell yourself every time you think it hurts too much, the harder you fall, the higher you bounce back again. This is Dr. J.C. Burnham and the Out of the Deep End podcast. Have a blessed day.